Albert Einstein. Remember him? He once said, Nothing will benefit human health and increase chances for survival of life on Earth as much as the evolution of the vegan diet. And we happen to agree. Welcome to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. We bring you vegan experts from around the world to talk about health, the environment, animal advocacy, and spreading compassion. It's our passion to help you navigate the vegan lifestyle by listening to the experiences of vegan influencers, doctors, and experts. Thanks for listening. This is the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. And now your host, Sean Russell. Hey everybody, Sean Russell with the Soul Flow Vegans Podcast, and today we have a special episode. We don't do too many of them, so when we do, you know it's a big deal. We have a panel of the top vegan powerlifters, bodybuilders, just individuals who are taking their physiques and their body and their strength to that next level. And this is all because we're getting ready to launch this amazing event, the Vegan Health and Fitness Expo with the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championship. So we want our next couple of episodes to focus just on that. And the information that you're going to get from this podcast is going to be valuable. So make sure you're listening, taking notes and sharing with the people in your life that you want to be strong and living long. And I just came up with that right now. So I'm pretty impressed with myself. So here we go. Our first panelist that we have is Katya Gorbacheva, who is a natural bodybuilder, nationally qualified powerlifter, coach with Total Body Lab. And I'm going to say this each time because it gets to be said with Team Plant Built. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. (laughs) all right (laughs) and next we have Brittany billings who is a natural competitive power lifter and guess what also a member of team plant built everybody welcome Brittany, to the show thank you for having me and that's where i pipe in the ah, and the clapping (laughs) and everything in the background and then last but definitely not least we have daniel austin who was a competitive power lifter author of The Way of the Vegan Meathead, Eating for Strength, and guess what? You've guessed it, member of Team Plant Built. Thank you so much, Daniel, for coming on the show. Glad to be here. All right. So we have a tradition here on the SoFlow Vegans podcast where we like to start off with the vegan origin story. And why we do that? Because when you're on your journey, it's helpful to figure out how other people did it. Because there might be something in their story that resonates with you. So we're not going to skip that tradition, especially with these four highly toned and fit and strong athletes here. And I, my hat's off to you because I've recently started my fitness journey. And I know it's a lot of work and dedication, but there are a lot of benefits to it. So we are going to go ahead and get started. And we're going to start with Brittany. So Brittany, what is your vegan origin story? Ah, well, I was vegetarian for quite some time throughout high school. And I kind of thinking back on it now, I wish somebody would have just told my younger self like, oh, you need to be vegan because (laughs) honestly, growing up, I mean, I've always had such a heart for animals. And, you know, we, we would do things like go to the circus when you're 
in elementary school and I, I never felt right about it. And then, you know, I, I never connected it to what I was eating. And so, you know, fast forward, I'm vegetarian throughout high school, throughout college. And then I started kind of thinking more after I, I actually used to do endurance races. So ultra marathons, things like that. And in that sport being vegan is kind of, it's kind of popular. And, um, so I was just looking at different diets to really help me with that. And plant-based and vegan was one of the main ones. And so, you know, I, I looked into it a little bit more and I just made that connection. And I was like, oh, okay. So I don't eat meat because I don't want to eat animals. And then I never really put two and two together about, you know, milk in, in the dairy industry and cheese. And then almost immediately doing my research into that, I, I put two and two together. And so I started to kind of watch some documentaries as well. And I don't know if you've heard of Earthlings, but I got honestly less than 15 minutes into that. And I was like, that's that's enough for me. And that was it. That was seven years ago. And I haven't looked back. Uh, that was all I needed. And, you know, I'm a I'm a four lifer now. And, and before we go to the next person, I'm curious, what was your biggest challenge when you first went vegan? My biggest challenge was just not not knowing exactly what to eat. I was very heavy on the, the cheese when I was a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So taking that out, I, I just didn't know enough about substitutes. So I really did not have a very diverse diet. I ate a lot of the same things because that was really all that I knew to eat. And I would definitely say that was my biggest challenge. And that kind of went, you know, just into like social situations as well. You know, you go out to eat with your friends and and you're trying to figure out what you can eat. But yeah, that was really it. Once I got that down, it was much easier. Okay. So next, we're going to go to Daniel Austin. So what is your vegan origin story? Uh, well, I was born by a vegetarian mother, but my dad and I teased Lucky. her. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I... I mean, I liked eating the Morningstar veggie burgers as a kid more than like, I liked my dad's bloody ground beef. However, uh, it just it seemed like a ridiculous thing. Uh, I didn't know anything about factory farming. I didn't know anything about the treatment of animals. I just, you know, everyone else made fun of vegetarians, uh, including my dad. So <laughs> granted, my, my mom and dad got divorced when I was like five. So, you know, it didn't, mm. the teasing didn't last too long. But uh no, when I was 15, 14, 15, uh, I got into hardcore and punk rock music and there were bands singing about uh, just a higher consciousness, animal rights, political issues, environmental issues. And I, I didn't intentionally do this, but this band, Earth Crisis, mm -hmm. it's like the OG vegan straight edge hardcore band, definitely changed my life. Uh, their lyrics kind of got me thinking, oh, I, need to, I need to stop eating meat. So uh, I would say uh, when I was 15, I, I went vegetarian. And it took a little while before I could give up cheese in my uh, early 20s. And so now I've been vegan for about uh, 18 years. So you, you answered my next question, which is going to be the reoccurring question. What was your biggest challenge? You said cheese. But what was maybe another challenge that you, that you experienced? Well, then when I gave up the cheese and then say I still want to eat pizza, you know, you're just eating a bunch of carbohydrates with just a bunch of fiber. So... The amount of farting and going to the bathroom was just out of control. You can't live like that. So, uh, and this is something I, I tackle in my book is about finding the balance with fiber. Mm. You know, as vegans, we're going to get fiber even in our protein. 
Whereas meat eaters, you know, there's no fiber in, in dairy. There's no fiber in eggs. There's no fiber in meat. But even in our protein powders, a little bit of trace fiber. So you have to find the balance so that you can be social and not stink up the room. Because, you know, if you're driving people away, who's going to want to be vegan if it always smells like like methane around you? You know, so, <laughs> so you know, you, I, I, had, I had that issue where – where just like if I only knew to eat junk food like pizza and stuff and there wasn't any cheese on it anymore, which actually was a fair amount of protein and fat, I got a little skinnier, mm. but I didn't get more muscular. So it was like skinny fat. And then I had I, once I learned about nutrition, I learned how to put the fat and the protein back in my diet so I could excel in terms of physical uh, performance and body composition as a vegan. Okay. And that's interesting. And I'm going to go a little bit more into that um, once we start the discussion, because um, you brought up some really good points there that I don't always hear discussed. It's usually right. the opposite end where it's like fiber, 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 but it's also balancing social life. It's a lifestyle. It's, you know, there's a lot of components that come to, you know, stepping into veganism that I feel like with this panel that we have here, we could have a real discussion. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. yeah. And, and then finally, we have Katya. Uh, hey guys. Uh, yeah, my name is Katya Gorbacheva and originally I'm an engineer by education. Came to the US. I'm not American. I'm from Russia. Originally I came here 11 years ago, you know, kind of looking for a better life, I guess, uh, as people still come here and wanted to conquer the world doing, I didn't even know what I was going to do then. So anyways, as a safe bet, according to my family, I needed to be an engineer or an economist or a doctor. So everybody in my family is engineers. I got an engineering degree, started working, hated it, did blood work at some point when I was 23, I think. Like I never considered myself like fit or fit for fit enough to do a bodybuilding show, which I have done and I have seven awards for do a powerlifting show, which I think I have at least seven awards for. But anyways, I've kind of considered myself like below average in terms of like fitness. And it really messed with my I guess, self-esteem and confidence and all of those other things. So Jim was always, has always been like, I always saw myself as like one of these people who like wants to train, but thinks that they're like too inferior to actually gain any, you know, super amazing benefits from it. Maybe I'll just like die a little bit less sooner <laughs> than I'm supposed to. Regardless, sorry for being morbid. Jim was my getaway. And when I realized that my job was not bringing me any fulfillment, you know, I switched jobs, still didn't happen. I guess uh, after having done my blood work around 23, I figured out that like my cholesterol is high, my triglycerides are high, everything is high. Why I'm running, I'm training in the gym, I'm lifting heavy, I start powerlifting and I still look okay. I guess I looked better than average in my head, but like I still had pretty low self-esteem and I, I wasn't sure what to do with my blood work. So the five minutes of Googling that I did uh, at that time that I had free showed me the cowspiracy that just came out, Forks Over Nice, and a bunch of other vegan documentaries. So I watched them and realized, eh, first, it's a safe thing to try. Like nothing bad is going to happen if I stop eating meat. Second, I'm a huge environmentalist. So mm. Like, it just seems dumb when you can feed the same amount of things to a cow for two years that, like, humans can grow food on for and eat and drink. So immediately I was like, okay, less waste. That's immediately a win for everybody, 
right? So even if I reduce animal consumption. So yeah, I tried, I, I gradually went vegan and the suffering that my partner at the time has gone through because I did not know how to cook anything and the farts that Daniel mentioned, that was real. Uh, yeah, but we have overcome. <laughs> and uh, I've been uh, vegan ever since and I love it. I don't think there are... Uh, I, th I don't think being eating plant-based and being vegan or vegetarian is, is inferior when it comes to athletic performance. And thank you all for sharing your vegan origin stories. I mean, I feel like people were listening, maybe a lot can relate to what you said and what you, what you experienced. So that takes us to your actual fitness journey now. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to the gym, a lot of people who are eating healthy, but to do what you guys are doing is that next level of commitment. So I want to go a little bit into your heads into like what prompted you to go that next level to take yourselves on in that way. And um, we'll, we'll get started with uh, Brittany. Yeah. So uh, I, I grew up playing soccer. That's like my first and true love when it comes to sports. And I always found a way to have an outlet and get away from things. You know, it's just, therapeutic. It's always been therapeutic for me. And uh, I played throughout college. And then I, I got into endurance running, like I said, did obstacle course races, and then half Ironman. And uh, eventually that led me into bodybuilding, because I kind of, you know, I got to the point where I just wanted that extra challenge. And to me, it's just being able to make myself do these things that have that dedication to say like, Hey, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. This is, this is what you have to do to, to do it. And then once you achieve that goal, I mean, to me, that's like one of the best things in the entire world. And um, so after bodybuilding, I, I got into powerlifting and throughout that journey, throughout bodybuilding and powerlifting, you know, I worked with Danny who's over, plant bill. And, you know, she's really helped me to just kind of dig deep. And that's what powerlifting has done for me. It's just allowed me to like, go beyond what I thought was possible. But, you know, almost what Katia was talking about earlier is it's funny, because once I started it, I was like, Oh, I, I don't really think I belong here. I don't know that this is for me. And, you know, I kind of kept giving myself reasons to to not do it or kind of making excuses and sometimes I feel like when people get into a fitness journey that's kind of what they do they kind of try to talk themselves out of it or say like hey I'm not this or I'm not that or you know put themselves into a box and that's kind of what I did but I think you know just like anybody else you just have to do it I mean that's that's the important thing is just doing it and taking those steps and putting a plan in place and you know, being able to do that and being able to watch myself like slowly inch towards my goals and achieve them, you know, that's been what's important to me. And thank you for that share. And um, we're going to go to Katya next to tell us a little bit about what's your why for going into fitness. Oh, my why. I took like, I don't even know what to call it. It was some kind of a course in self-development and that talked a lot about like existentialism and mortality and that like we all have a limited time here when right before I quit commercial construction management and the reason why I quit was because I realized like I'm just even if that pays well you know even if I'm providing like value for other people it's just not fulfilling for me to do so 
I just ask myself a question, you know, I'd like to draw that diagram for people. I'm also a business coach for a local um, business accelerator. So for those folks, I like to draw three circles. What can you do? What will people pay money for? And what can you do well? What's it? What do you love to do? What can you do well? And what are people willing to pay you money for? And whatever is in the center, that's what you need to be doing. And that's an oversimplified thing, of course. So that's the, the only thing that I have come up with is teaching women how to get stronger without injuries and lift weights correctly. And I guess if it's bodybuilding, losing weight, gaining muscle, doesn't matter training. If it's a, a some sort of athletic training, uh, I have a lot of experience in that. My dad's a bodybuilder. I grew up seeing him lift. I don't have education in that, even though I'm a certified personal trainer, but that was literally the only thing that I could see myself doing. And when I realized it, I quit my job, cold turkey, got certified as a coach, started competing bodybuilding, you know, and kept hiring coaches to learn from them, you know, the best practices of both bodybuilding and later powerlifting. So, I can be the best coach for my athletes. All right. And thank you. And just for everyone listening, a little housekeeping after, after Daniel shares his why, we're going to go more into more of a free flow conversation where anyone can chime in and just talk about topics that will support you guys on your journey, whether you're going vegan or you're going to step into this competitive world. So with that being said, Daniel, what is your why and you doing what I just said? Well, I would say it's, Ultimately, it's Freudian. Uh, I was in my mid-20s and I got out of a six-year relationship and then I realized, oh, I don't have someone that just accepts, <laughs> accepts me as I am anymore. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get more fit. So, uh, I, you know, I had been vegan a while, but uh, I didn't know anything about how to eat right. Uh, I didn't know any really fit vegans uh, at the time. The first Fit vegan I ever met was my friend Billy Prusnowski, who was also a former uh, CrossFit and bodybuilding member of the Team Plant Built. But, you know, we were both working for an animal rights organization, nonprofit, and just traveling around the country doing demos and, and campaigns and stuff. And uh, we'd start working out in hotel gyms and things like that. And I, and I actually found that at that time in my life, I got pretty, for lack of a better word, addicted to it. I, it gave me a sense of order and discipline that I didn't have before in my life because prior to that I had been a touring musician it's like the worst lifestyle to try to be fit and healthy so yeah I started eating better started training with my friend and then I started training when I wasn't on on tour with him and uh, eventually I realized I'm not really cut out to be a bodybuilder uh, for one I think I'm too hairy you know you to like to get under the lights and compete like that like it'd be a disaster for me like ingrown hair hell you know so uh, but what I found I liked was compound lifts. Once, uh, once I discovered a, a power lifting program, I started doing deadlifts and squats. I was like, holy crap, like that, that created the most transformation from my body type. And uh, people thought I was a bodybuilder at that point, but I'm like, no, I'm power lifting now. I just feel stronger and it is putting more muscle on my frame than any of the other kind of isolation workouts I was doing before. So a lot of it was accident. Uh, a lot of it was, uh, I need to be in better shape so I can talk to girls. And then it was like, I, you know, I was doing animal rights campaigns. And what I found was the more in shape I got and the more confident I got, mm. the more people were just down to listen to me and ask me questions about being vegan versus me having to convince them. And uh, now, you know, I, I compete the last three years at USPA uh, Drug Tested Nationals. I've won 
goals in my age and weight division, you know, so what, eight years of competing. I can't remember the last time I didn't place. And what's happening is that non-vegans are coming up to me all the time asking, so what are you actually eating? Like, what about this supplement? What about that supplement? Can you get that vegan? So that's what prompted me to write my book. It's just a lot of, a lot of things like domino effect. And uh, it all started with uh, a breakup. <laughs> I, I I love your I love your reasonings. It's so like relatable. Like yeah. people people are like, okay, yeah, I could see that happening. No, well, it wasn't some grand selfless act. <laughs> I need to do it now because now I feel like I am more motivated to prove vegans can do this and that. And the cool thing is, we have like Katya, Brittany, all of us on our team have been proving that year after year, and that just makes you more motivated to keep proving it. But in the in the in the beginning, it was like, man, I'm like in my later half of my 20s, and I feel flabby. I need to do something about it. <laughs> no, that was that was it. But it, it led to good things. And I think there's a lot to be said about wanting to be the best version of yourself, even vegan or non-vegan, because especially if you're like we're we're advocates, we're ambassadors for a lifestyle. Like we're mm -hmm. not asking people to you know recycle. We're telling people, you know, we're we're showing people a way to change different habits that they've adopted over years and years, and it's an easier pill to swallow when you look like you're actually doing that. When you're healthy, you look healthy, and you're it's like it's enrolling. People want to, you know, be a part of what you're doing. So I completely. Well, I think everybody's scared of making a sacrifice and mm. some quality of their life and some dimension of their life is going to suffer. And what I found for me is just all these happy accidents. Like I stopped getting sinus infections because I cut out dairy. I didn't realize I was mildly allergic to dairy and it caused me several sinus infections a year when I was a vegetarian. I've just had all these happy accidents, you know, so that's mm -hmm. been great. So, so one of the things, and this is open up for anybody that wants to jump in and chime in. So, um, in terms of, in terms of some of the myths that are out there regarding veganism, the not myths or misconceptions, one that always comes up in, especially on these podcasts, you get a little chuckle and it's like, Oh, protein, protein, protein is protein. But I want to not just you know, address the elephant in the room with protein. I also want to talk about when you're competing and you're looking to build, you know, build size and do all that. How important is protein? Is it, is it, it's not as simple as just saying, well, you get protein from plant. Like what is your take on protein when it comes to being, you know, doing what you do? Anybody wants to chime in? Yeah, I mean, I got plenty to say, but I'll let the ladies go first if they'd like. <laughs> All right, Kati, you wanna you wanna jump in first? Okay, cool. So, in terms of um, protein, yes, uh, I came from the bodybuilding world, so I started competing in bodybuilding. I had to track every single thing, right? So I had to track carbs, uh, fats, protein. We looked at sodium, fiber, you know, potassium, vitamins. As a very OCD person. It brought me a lot of anxiety. So I, I will just preface it with this. If you think that you must track everything and eat so many grams of protein a day to make those gains, yes, it is important. But if it is completely destroying your body image and mountain health, it is not worth it. Because the body dysmorphia and depression that I've been dealing with after my bodybuilding was done was just 
absolutely not worth it. So now as a power lifter, I don't track my calories. I don't track my macros. I know which high protein foods I like, vegan foods, right? I know my fake meat products. I know my tofu scrambles and silken tofu puddings and edamame and seitan. And I make a variety of these and I try to eat at least, I guess, 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. And I snack on random high protein things all day, but I don't track anything. I may start tracking now because this is the biggest that I've ever been. And I'm, I'm finally like, okay, with, you know, looking how I'm looking, I'm still like, you can see some striations in the upper body, but I'm an apple shaped person. So all of the fat gathers around the midsection. And since I'm going to be going to veg fest and like the fit expo, like Daniel said, it kind of, it helps when you are a public figure, when you look the way that people are more likely to listen to what you're saying. So my coach is not approving of that because the bigger I am, the stronger I am. And I'm not, I'm probably 24% body fat right now. So I'm not like super fat, but I'm 75 kilos. So we will see if I start tracking again soon. And in terms of how much protein a day, I'm not going to answer that question because y'all should do your research. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so let me, let me, um, let me, what are some, some examples of protein that you consume on a daily basis? Me? Same, um, yeah. Same for you, Katya. Yeah. I like spirulina a lot. I like the press tablets of spirulina because it tastes like ass. So I don't want to blend it in any of the shakes or, you know, it's just terrible. So I think that's the highest plant highest protein consuming plant on the planet one of i don't know what definitely one of so i like that i like pea shoots i don't know if people uh, talk about like watercress and pea shoots which has an insane amount of protein so much protein right i like canned peas you know that would be like my main i guess the beans or the the canned peas instead of like rice or some grain i will have you know rice occasionally and buckwheat buckwheat as an eastern european if none of y'all have tried buckwheat as your base as your grain Oh my God, so much more protein, better taste, roast buckwheat, just, you know, you, and so that's your carbs, right? Even though those are the more high protein carbs, you put your tofu on top, you put your fake meats. I have a couple of recipes of seitan on my website, if anybody's curious. Yeah, so I'll put that on top. Nutritional yeast, make fake cheeses out of that, super good. Golden beets, roasted golden beets and nutritional yeast, just blend that with miso, super high protein. Everybody wants to eat it at Super Bowl, dipping things in it until they learn it's vegan. And then they're like, oh, I didn't know I was eating vegan queso. Oh, no. We want to hear from you. Visit our website to ask a question, leave a comment, or tell us how much you love the show. We'll play some of your messages during the episode, as well as directly to our guests. So be sure to leave your name and city and visit SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. All right. And um, thank you for that. I'm sure people are making notes right now of the different resources in terms of the different types of protein. So, um, Brittany, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I I mean, I like Katya. I was doing bodybuilding for a while. So I feel like I got a very quick education on protein and where to get good sources of protein and where to get, you know, lower fat or lower carb sources of protein. So honestly, for me, it, it's not really ever been anything I've worried too much about because even just 
eating what I would regularly eat when I track it, if I just do kind of like a tracking audit every once in a while, I, I eat more than enough protein. I mean, and, and that's, you know, actually like an amount to sustain or help me help me continue to build muscle. But yeah, it's not it's just not something that I've worried about recently, especially because it's funny. I think the people who say, you know, how do you get protein or, or you you can't possibly get protein? You know, when when people eat meat, generally, they can name you like maybe five sources of protein. And I'm like, I ate literally hundreds of sources of protein. So it's it's nice. It's actually, you know, being vegan has really opened my eyes to just the fact that everything has protein in it, which is nice. But yeah, my my main source is probably not quite as healthy as Katya. I was taking some mental notes over here. But I, uh, you know, I, I do like my good old trusty tofu. I love tofu. Seitan is another big one. It's incredibly easy to eat, very high in protein. Literally, you can just throw spices in water and put it on the foreman, like one of my favorite things. I love jerky, any kind of vegan jerky I'm obsessed with. So yeah, and then just, you know, all the other staples, all the high protein veggies, um, beans, you know, black beans, kidney beans, all those. Quinoa, yeah, could go on. But yeah, those, those are my higher ones. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that share. And then Daniel, what about you? So Sean, I actually wanted to go back to the question you asked about uh, myths or misconceptions people have and how important is protein consumption for doing the kinds of athletics that any of us in this chat are doing. And mm-hmm. I, I, my position is, is very important. If you are doing strength or resistance training, especially if you have very extreme goals, like I'm trying to be as strong as I can be. And these are things that are published extensively in the National Institute of Health. Like strength athletes should be eating on average nearly three times as much protein as the average sedentary person, you know? So for basic health, the formula is 0.36 times your body weight in pounds, or I think 0.8 times your body weight in kilograms. Uh, Whereas for a strength athlete, you need to be eating about a gram per pound of body weight. And as a, as a vegan, who's like back to the fiber issue, fiber can negate the bioavailability of amino acids by as much as 16%. So I would overshoot that one-to-one ratio of grams of protein per per pound of body weight. So for me, you know, I'm eating about 125% of that ratio. So, you know, it's totally cool if people want to try to get away with as little as possible, but if you need to be in an anabolic state and gaining muscle to be stronger, I say, why risk it? Just eat as much as you can eat. So for me, I eat over 200 grams of protein every day, even on off days. I don't really track anymore, but I have done my diligence in learning how to track macros and calories. And it was helpful to learn that. And now I'm, I know my routines. I know, and I can kind of intuitively figure out for example, right now, um, I'm about 176 pounds. And around Christmas time, this always seems to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I was over 180. I was probably about 182 or 183 and, and gaining body fat. And, you know, I was strong, but I don't want to be that heavy because from, from my size, it's, you know, I compete at 165 usually in, in one federation that I compete in. And in the other, I'll compete at 181 except – 
if I have a two hour weigh in, I can't cut water weight. So I need to be under 181, but I'm not going to compete in that federation until October with the plant built team. And uh, that means my next competition, I need to be able to weigh in at 165. So I need to start losing weight slowly now so that come summertime, I can make weight at 165. And uh, I went back to kind of roughly calorie counting and I'm losing about a pound of body weight a week. And, you know, so those are good skills to have, to know your macro targets, to know how much protein you need to eat. And generally when it comes to maintaining strength and losing body weight and body fat, you need to keep the protein extra high and the carbohydrates moderate and uh, rely on fat for a hormonal balance. So, you know, my macro nutrient composition, which is the same one that I talk about in my book, is usually around 30% uh, total calories from protein, about 30% total calories from carbohydrates and about 40% from fat. So, you know, and I find this is consistent with all the strongest people in the world, like the, the world's strongest men, even uh, the strongest vegan, one of the strongest vegans, Patrick Baboumian, it's roughly his macro balance to be as strong as he is. So um, it's, it's kind of a universal thing to eat higher fat among strength athletes, whether it's strongmen, powerlifters, bodybuilders. And as so in that case, you know, people have all these associations about veganism being a high carb, high fiber thing, high fiber diet lifestyle. These are things that you have to learn how to balance in a different way if you want to be a strong vegan, usually. There are some people who genetically can get away with any anything, eating whatever. As long as they eat enough calories, they'll get stronger. But most of us aren't that way. So most of us are going to have to learn how to dial it in. And uh, I would just encourage people to play with that balance and to experiment for themselves. Um, and don't get discouraged if at first it's not working. You know, I was a hard gainer at first, and that's when I was trying to train bodybuilding. And I was doing a lot of cardio to try and stay lean. Uh, but I found the biggest thing that helped me get stronger was cutting out cardio. You know, so you got to find the variables that work for you and the variables that don't, depending on your goal. And uh, that can be very tricky. So, you know, hopefully we can help your listeners in this conversation. I know that Brittany and Katya all have unique perspectives about that, too. But I'm sure we're in agreement about a lot of this, right? Yeah. What are your th <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so some of you, both of you, um, I want to say, Daniel and Katya, I heard you mention this about body type and, you know, everyone's a little bit different. So mm -hmm. how does that play a role in someone deciding what, how many, how much protein or which supplements or whatever it is they need to do in order to get to their goal? Like, can you go a little bit more into that? Um, so people know maybe I'm this body type and I should look in this direction. Do you want to start? Can I well, I personally think the amount of calories and the amount of protein specifically and the amount of carbohydrates, that all depends on the way you're training, I think, more than your body type. I think the body type is going to lend itself to helping you figure out what kind of training you're best at. Like for me, I learned I'm not a great, uh, I'm not a great bodybuilder. Uh, genetically, I have fat that kind of sits like right under my biceps, even though I don't store fat like in my legs, a little bit around my belly, right? But uh, so it doesn't look great for bodybuilding. Like I have strong biceps, but if I flex, it doesn't look as good as a bodybuilder flexing because they don't have that fat right there. And um, so I learned that just getting strong was more rewarding and I felt better. And 
And I've experienced the most transformation doing compound lifts and powerlifting type training. And then I learned about the way strong people are eating. And so then it's like, okay, to be good at this, I need to eat a certain way. So I think body type will, for example, a tall, lanky person, usually not going to be a great powerlifter. The stockier, shorter people, great powerlifters because it's less range of motion to move all that weight. you got a little bit of an advantage if you got shorter arms for bench press. And then you're screwed for deadlift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, although if you have long arms, it can help you on a deadlift. But, you know. These are, these are like body mechanic issues that different kinds of training will, will show you how wow, that's actually painful to do a lot. Uh, like I got a, uh, a friend of mine who I was helping with some coaching. He has very tight calves, uh, tibial torsion syndrome, basically shorter calves. And the amount of squatting that, he, that we were doing in a powerlifting program put him in so much pain that he couldn't do his day job because he had to be on his feet a lot. And he found out, hey, man, I'm going to have to do something that's a little more like cross training and like yoga oriented and just general fitness because I realize as much as I, I, I like getting stronger, it causes me a lot of problems. Like I'm just not made to do this, you know, and some people will come to that realization. You know, some people are built to be runners or swimmers and some people are meant to pick up, you know, whatever, 400 pound stones, you know, so it's it's worth experimenting different kinds of training figure that out and then from there you learn how to eat <laughs> i think I, I agree with dania that like body type doesn't necessarily affect the amount of protein you need to be eating to get stronger or i don't i'm not really sure what people mean by body type like where you store fat or how taller how you know how where you from your like ethnicity i guess i think genetic composition matters a lot for the sports that you will be successful at, not as successful at, okay at, right? Like, you know, if say the majority of my people, the people in my family have been like short and stocky, it's likely I'm gonna be a good power lifter and a bad runner, right? Or like if the majority of my people have been like living in the mountainous area and they have been, I don't know, walking up and down the mountains to like gather things for generations. So it's just a very broad example, right? Like, I mean, I think life preconditions us for certain things. And sometimes we don't know what that is if we have relatives from all over the world, right? And all kinds of backgrounds. So the only thing you can do is try all kinds of different sports and you can try all different kinds of nutrition and be like, oh, okay, I actually feel good when I eat, you know, higher fat or I feel good when I eat higher fiber and higher carbs. Or so, you know, I, I think the bad thing you can do is get on a new trend on the internet saying this is the only way. And the good thing you can do is not kind of get locked into anything and just try things as well as read, read research and empirical data. Like MAST is a good magazine to do that. Anything related to um, exercise science and strength science is good. I'm gonna find uh, the newsletter that I really, really love and share. Stronger by science. That's a good newsletter. I would follow them, you know, so don't listen to the bros based on what they're saying in the gym on the amount of protein or that you're deficient because you don't eat meat or any of that BS, you know, it, it's all about science. And yes, your genetics does matter. Well, one second, though. I do want to say that when it comes to listening to the doctors and the pros like 
let's just throw in, I'm not talking mess at these people because they've influenced a lot of people and good ways for their health. But like if you're talking about the China study or forks over knives and the very whole foods plant-based way of doing things, I can say firsthand my experience and the experience of a lot of people eating hummus and carrots and celery and whole foods plant-based did almost nothing or bad things when trying to gain strength. And so I always tell people strength is not health. Yes. It's yeah. Those science, those studies are done for health and longevity and get rid of heart disease. They're not done to get stronger. So So, don't ask Dr. Campbell about deadlifting and how you need to eat to deadlift. Like ask us. Ask us. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What about you, Brittany? Did you want to um, ch- add anything to the to this topic? Yeah, I mean, I I do agree with both of them because you know, like me, for example, going from you know playing soccer to being an ultra marathoner to triathlons to obstacle course races and then to bodybuilding to powerlifting, obviously. Kind of like what they're saying, the the worst thing you can do on a fitness journey is just box yourself in or, or follow a trend or say like, hey, this is a new thing that's that's going to get me in shape or is going to make my body look good. This is what I should do. Because for me, yeah, it's cool. And I, I liked trying all those things and, and doing different things. But ultimately, you know, I, I'm not built to be a marathoner. I, I can do it if I need to, like pretty much anybody, if, if you have the will, you can make it happen. But you know, it, it's just all about, like they were saying, where where your strengths are and where your strengths lie and kind of what you're built to do. And then along those lines, just, you know, like Daniel was saying, with your diet and, and the protein and things you're trying to hit, that's, that's going to depend on what your goals are and what you're trying to do. Because as, you know, somebody who is running races and and just going out and running for hours every single day, my diet was drastically different than it is now as a power lifter. Okay. And so we talked a lot about, about the physicality of it and the working out and what have you, protein we, you know, covered. What about what you're putting into your body? I know, I mean, outside of the plant-based foods that I know you all consume, are you taking any supplements or anything that you would recommend that people take? So let's go a little bit into that so people can start making that grocery list. So if you get Daniel, if you want to get started with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm So that was another thing you had asked about back to the myth question and uh, people will say, Plants have everything you need. Well, it's not really true because you can't really get B12 from plants. Uh, You can't really get creatine from plants. And creatine is the most studied sports supplement. And it is proven to increase your performance by about 10% on average. So these are things you need to supplement with. And not only that, if you're training very hard for a long period of time, you can run into other obstacles like maybe a magnesium deficiency because you're doing so many muscle contractions per week over a long period of time that you might start getting muscle twitches. And that's an indication of magnesium deficiency. And I've experienced that. It's not painful or anything, but uh, it's, it's your body saying, hey, give me some more magnesium so I can uh, do more reps for you. And you might need to supplement with some vegan magnesium. So like uh, what I found is uh, I supplement with creatine, monohydrate, just the basic I supplement B12, which everyone, vegan or not, should be doing. 
vegan sources of vitamin D, which everyone, vegan or not, should be doing. Uh, and I guarantee you that everyone who's competing in any kind of competitive sport, bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman, they're all on creatine. So the idea that we just need to be as natural as possible um, and not supplement anything is a recipe to lose because even the meat eaters are supplementing with this stuff, you know, uh, and since there are vegan versions on the market, stock up on that. If you want to be competitive, if you want to be the best you can be. So creatine, vitamin D, vitamin B12. Uh, I do take magnesium. I do take zinc because you need to replenish zinc daily. Uh, zinc is very important for the transportation of sex hormones in your blood, i.e. testosterone and even estrogen. Because if you are wonky in your hormonal balance, you're not going to be able to recover from your workouts. You know, those are key hormones for recovery. Zinc is very vital to those. What else? Uh, and then I take a vegan algae-based omega-3 supplement to get those essential fatty acids that, that honestly does lack in our diet as well. You know, plant-based whole foods don't give us enough of those things, or we would have to eat so many calories of those things, we'd start to gain weight. So supplementation is a good way to get some nutrients without adding all the calories. Okay. Thank you for that. And um, yeah. anyone else want to chime in on maybe something he didn't cover or agree? Yay. Okay. Um, I actually made some notes. Uh, we basically, we all take the same things, but uh, maybe one or two things are different. So yeah, I take a vegan multi from Zao Nutrition. They have an extra large amount of B12 in there. So don't need to take a B12 on top. Typically, if you take a multivitamin, you need to take a B12 on top because it's not enough. I take vitamin D for sure, especially in the winter. Vitamin C, yeah, when I feel sick, I guess, or like, like lackadaisically take it and not take it because I eat a lot of bell peppers and uh, oranges. Uh, bell pepper is probably one of my favorite vegetables and it takes, it has four times as much vitamin C as oranges, if you didn't know. Fun fact, I like vegan omegas from Clean Machine. I like their cell block 80. Let's see. I absolutely love turmeric and ashwagandha. I think everybody should take that for anti-inflammatory purposes, uh, you know, anti-anxiety, stress relief. We have enough of that and we don't need more cortisol in our lives. <laughs> I do like spirulina. I do, I don't consider protein supplement, like protein powder. People do sometimes, but in my opinion, it's food. But in case you consider it a supplement, I guess I supplement with protein powder. Again, lackadaisically, when I feel like, uh, I don't feel like eating more, but I need to have some more protein because I haven't eaten anything that has protein in the last like five hours. I will, you know, drink a shake. But typically I prefer chewing my food, not drinking it. I think drinking food is the dumbest thing. And it's the most unsatisfying way to consume <laughs> anything with calories. And the only way I would be doing it is if I was a tiny human and I needed to shove calories down my throat, which some of my clients do have to do if they're like, small people and they're like oh my gosh all these calories but then they don't grow because they're hard gainers um, Katya, so what's, that, what's your position on smoothies hate smoothies oh my god okay great let's agree to disagree <laughs> i think people should eat soup not smoothies that, what's that wrong with hot. a smoothie i don't know it's pre, it's pre-digestion you just drink it you still uh, mix it with your saliva <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the thing, Sean. This is this is you know, I, I, 
Katya is very strong. She's got her method, her mode. I support that, whatever works for her. But, you know, a lot of people struggle to chew that much every day, especially all this fibrous food that we eat as vegans. And for people that do have a hard time getting that many calories, if drinking it helps, then just drink it. Uh, I completely agree with you. If I was a small guy and a hard gainer, I would drink my calories. <laughs> well, you can see me. I'm like, I'm not a small person. I gain weight very easily. I do not need help on that spectrum. So I typically try to consume high volume foods that have a little more fiber just to, you know, keep me satiated in between meals. Otherwise, I won't fit through the door. So we have a different problem here. So everybody needs to eat according <laughs> actually, to their problem. I actually, gain, I actually gain weight pretty, pretty too easily these days too. So Okay. Well, there you go. I was saying we just have a different problem here. So like I I don't I need to fit through the door. That's my, my problem has never been not getting enough calories. You know, I just try to keep myself satiated in between meals. So I'll have something high fiber like in between meals and I'll start eating with protein, right? And then I have other things on top. So I feel like maybe it's easier on digestion that way. Uh, anyways, if I break it, break it out and like maybe like two high protein meals and like the other meals will have like other nutrients and veggies and fiber and seeds. But regarding the supplementation, people who are listening who think like, oh, I need to buy all these supplements now. Yay. Like buy creatine, buy multivitamins and other vitamins. You do not need like BCAAs and all of the athletic supplements that exist until your diet is in the right place. Otherwise, you're expensive urine you do not need all of the supplements in the world to get results you need to eat enough eat enough protein and take your multivitamins and just be overall healthy and kill it in the gym you do not need a million things that your gnc or whatever store is trying to sell you that's just not useful at Bro, all i'd like to chime in and just for reference for the listeners three months worth of vegan zinc is about four dollars uh, three months worth of vegan creatine. Um, if you're lucky to find it in a store right now, it's creatine's a little less available than it used to be. So sometimes I'll just order a big tub on Amazon and it'll be like $30 and it'll last me three or four months. So that's cheap. Yeah. You're looking at like 10 bucks a month, you know, uh, B12, you know, maybe what $12 for a quality vegan B12. It'll last you two months. Uh, vitamin D, uh, might be a little more like maybe like 10, $12 for a month. Uh, what else I say? You know, I mean, a lot of these things just really aren't that expensive, but they're necessary if you've got big goals. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like both of them, I'm same page, everything. Uh, they both said I, uh, yeah, creatine, the naked brand is like perfect, simple, no other ingredients. B12, I do a sublingual, so it's just a liquid one. I, let's see, good multivitamin. And then, yeah, I really, they covered it, but I do get blood work done every year. So mm. there's not any deficiencies there. So, I mean, really I eat a, try to eat a wide range of color and then also just everything that they covered. Katya, I will say, I kind of feel like the smoothie thing might be a bodybuilder 
a bodybuilder problem because, uh, you know, when I remember tracking and seeing people drinking smoothies with like hundreds and hundreds of calories and me being like, why would I do that? <laughs> I rate, right? It made me irate. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you have a limited amount of calories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I also I, say I a smoothie, <laughs> you know, I mean, I work from home, but I didn't always work from home and I could make smoothies, take a couple blender bottles full, put them in a freezer, put them in the fridge, take them with me, uh, put them in a cooler in my backpack and I could sip on them throughout the day. Uh, so, you know, if it's a matter of convenience, smoothies can be more convenient. You oh, don't yeah. have to and stop and sit down and eat. You, you know, you don't have to have both hands available. Yeah. And you can put, you can pack a lot of nutrients in them. I just, now I love smoothies, but when I was yeah. like in prep, I never. <laughs> okay. Right. The reason why I, another reason why I don't like smoothies is because I don't like to drink cold things. I do not understand why Americans have to fill the ginormous, <laughs> like, Two gallon glass with full of ice, the glass you're, you're all the way still, to the ceiling. You're still Russian. You probably put protein in your borscht. <laughs> I do put protein in my borscht. I put TV in my borscht. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It has to be TVP and Borscht. Love it, uh, love it. Yeah, but we—I don't like frozen things. It's already everything is already frozen when I was growing up. Why would I put a frozen thing inside my body? I want a hot thing inside my body to be alive. I live in Texas. I like cold things. Oh gosh, yeah, got it. Smoothies for you. <laughs> so, so everyone listening right now in the comments, are you team smoothies? Are you not team smoothie? I want to hear from you. Let us know. So as we wind down this podcast, I want to thank all of you for being on the show, for sharing your, your journey, your tips. I feel like if you're listening to this, you are going to be able to walk away with a lot of things to get started. So before we go into our closing statements, and I'm going to have each of you say a final word and then this is going to go from person to person and the last person will end the show. But before we do that, I want to give each of you an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more information about you, where they can, if I know, I know Daniel, you have a book. So this, this is your opportunity to let people know kind of what you're up to, how they can contact and all that good stuff. And we'll go ahead and we'll get started with Brittany. All right. Yeah. So uh, you can find me mainly I'm on Instagram, Brittany, PB09, or just look through Vegan Strong or Team Plant Built. We'll be competing. I have a show this weekend, actually, and then I will be competing along with the rest of Team Plant Built for Mr. America later this year. All right. And we'll go next to Daniel. So, yeah, my, my web, I have two websites, uh, veganmeathead.com, where you can find all my vegan meathead related things, uh, books, shirts, other merchandise. Then I have daniel-austin.com where you can still buy my books. I have other books like a novel, poetry, believe it or not. All my music history, bands I've been in, things like that. Uh, that's daniel-austin.com. So yeah, The Way of the Vegan Meathead, it's on Amazon or my websites. Uh, it's in its second edition now, and I am currently working on editing the audiobook version, which will be out later this year. So stay tuned for that for all you uh, listeners on the go. Um, yeah, and, uh, I'm going to be competing in a national championship this summer in Las Vegas. I will then be meeting up with the team plant built in October in New Jersey. And so between now and then it's all about dieting and 
staying consistent with my training, which honestly training for me is like one thing that keeps me grounded and uh, mentally healthy. So there's, I don't have any worries about being consistent there, but. All right. And then Katya. Uh, thanks for the podcast, Sean. Thanks for inviting. Uh, so from the merch and stuff, I don't really have a lot. The only thing I guess I do have is a book on Amazon that is, uh, it has been made. This is me on the cover. And I have a lot of women uh, who are lifting weights and they're looking like normal size women. They're not just like sticks with boobs, like very secret models. So basically we have created it with a couple female athletes to dismantle the idea of how women are supposed to look, especially in the younger girls' heads. Uh, so if you want to snag that from Amazon, you can. But if you want to get in touch with me, hang out. I do come to a lot of VegFest. So if you go to VegFestExpos.com, you can find 10 events that uh, we're going to do this year. They have dates. If you're a vendor, a small business in one of those cities, you can sign up. If you want to uh, hang out, you can volunteer. We're going to hang out all day. Or you can just come and visit and say hi and learn more information about me. The thing that I'm working on for the most right now and spending all of the time on is my YouTube. So if you want to go to Total Body Lab YouTube, it's the same as my website, totalbodylab.com, where I have a couple articles, recipes, you know, from my bodybuilding past, from my powerlifting present, on coaching advice, recipes, high-protein foods. Uh, I have a powerlifting starting vegan guide that's 18 pages of like my best advice that's completely free. You can get that. And outside of that, it's the normal deal. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, I'm Gorbacheva E on Instagram. So you can shoot me a message. I respond within the same day, typically. So yeah, hope this uh, mm -hmm. helps. And then um, just to go over it one more time, the final thing that we're going to do is I, the segment is like from the heart. So it's whatever message you want to give to our audience. It could be as long, as short as you want, but um, as soon as you're done, then I'm just going to cue the next person. And the last person that goes is going to close off the show. So we will get started in the same order. And Brittany, you're up. <laughs> All right. So my message would just be, if you're thinking about making a change, if you're wanting to better yourself, just take a small step. You don't have to change everything in a day. You don't have to quit things all at once, just take a small step. And that's really going to lead you to making bigger steps. You know, if, if you're wanting to go vegan, some people will say to me, oh, I could go vegan if it weren't for bacon. Okay. Well, my response is always fine. Then go vegan, except for bacon. <laughs> you know, you're making a small step, just do what you can. And, you know, if you're, if you're working on your fitness goals, same thing, take a small step because, Ultimately, that's going to be what's going to make a difference. And, you know, don't put yourself in a box of thinking there's things that you can and or cannot do, because ultimately, if you make a plan and, and follow through on it, that's going to get you to where you need to be. And plants have all the protein that you need to thrive. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> well, I'll uh, piggyback on Brittany's message there. <laughs> plants do have all the protein you need to thrive, but sometimes they need to be isolated in a protein powder. They don't always have all you need in a whole foods plant-based form. So if you are trying to be athletic, you're trying to follow a specific training goal, just get real about the numbers. In the end, it becomes a numbers game. 
not just the number on the bar, but the amount of calories, the amount of protein. And if you're not getting the results you want, start breaking down the numbers and assess where you're not meeting criteria. A lot of people just want to do things too intuitively. And at first, especially that might not work. So get real about the numbers and understand that going vegan isn't going to magically turn you into a superhero that's a better athlete than everybody else. I think the Game Changers movie, while I love it and it was a great film, gave some people this wrong self-interested idea that stop uh, that no longer eating meat would make them better at their sport than everybody else. And I know people that did this and then it didn't happen and they went back to eating meat. If you want to go vegan, it's not a detractor. It's not a disadvantage, but you do have to dial things in to make it work. It works magically for very few people, but there is a will. If you've got a will, there is a way. Uh, My book in particular helps you with that. Uh, I know Katya as a coach can help you with that. And um, that's what the, Team Plant Built is here for to, to help other people find their way. So look up plantbuilt.com, uh, my website. Uh, there's resources out there, and we will all try to point you in the right direction because I hate seeing people fail at veganism. It's not veganism's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> oh, oh, damn. I'm glad you're not closing this. Oh, it's your fault. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, also, I wanted to show everybody Daniel's book. I have a copy that oh, is thank you. signed. Where is the signature thingy? It's it's there. It's somewhere there. Anyways, I'm the lucky owner of the the way of the vegan meathead, and you can be too. I actually did not. I know Daniel's super knowledgeable, but like all of the tables with numbers made me just nerd out on the things that I, I like to nerd out on. It was it was great. Yeah. Thank you. So getting real about the numbers is awesome. If you have never trained and if you just went vegan and if you're just figuring everything out and getting overwhelmed, maybe getting some help from anybody from our team would be great. Getting into a community, doing it with a friend, right? No matter what new thing you're starting, going it alone is probably the hardest thing, right? Like I know some people who have like started businesses and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to do it on the side of my job until I get so like successful. And then people are going to be shocked and surprised and they're going to admire me. Well, that doesn't work with sports because you need, it's like the pyramid. And at the bottom of your pyramid is your environment, which is the people in your life who support you. You know, if things go south, if something like if you eat a pizza and you're on a cut, I don't know, that can derail some people, but things can go a lot more south. So don't go it alone. Find support. Do it with a friend. Find good information. Good information and doing research does not mean Googling and putting things in, into a YouTube search bar and like calling it a day. It means probably reading scientific studies that focus on the thing that you're interested in. And if that is being strong, then Daniel's right. It's not the China study. It's, you know, looking at strong vegans and how do they eat and what do they do? In the end, be kind to yourself because it's a it's a marathon. It's not a race. So I have this sticky note on my computer. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, I think you can see it here. So I have to remind myself to be kind to myself, not just to others and to animals and to the world, but to myself. And when I do something, I'm like, all right, who is benefiting from this? Am I also benefiting from this? Or is it like, something's or somebody distracting me or taking advantage of my time and my creative energy, right? Is it necessary? Is it truthful? And is it kind? Those are the three things that I think really matter for everything that you do. 
You've been listening to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. As you can see, our passion is to help people navigate the vegan lifestyle, having on vegan experts from around the globe. Sean is the founder and, of course, the host of SoFlow Vegans, an organization created to help make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at SoFlow Vegans. Find the show and more at SoFlowVegans.com slash podcast. And for questions or comments, send an email to contact at SoFlowVegans.com. Our food is grown, not born. See you next time.